Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss... How to implement ancient wisdom into your employee and customer training efforts. How to take a painful process and make it enjoyable every step of the way. And how iconic talk triggers conveniently enhance your customer experience. Tribal, technical, and bibliographical. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Thanks to a new partnership with our friends at Cytel Group, which you'll be hearing more about at the start of Season 3 of the Experience This Show, we recently came across a blog post that we thought would be interesting to talk about on the show. The post was titled, Learning Like Tribes, Three Methods That Apply Today. And folks, if you're regular listeners to the show and... We very much thank you for that. You know that Joey and I are both students of the human condition. We like exploring why people do the things they do, and we enjoy taking what we know about human behavior through the ages and applying it to a modern context. Which is why the analysis and perspective in this CX Press article was so interesting to us. In ancient times, tribes served as the foundation for society. As a human social group, They didn't have access to the resources that later civilizations would have, yet they were fully functioning, growing communities. Tribes had three very specific ways they learned. And what's interesting to us is how we can take these three concepts from tribal learning and apply them to both employee learning and customer learning in the modern era. Now, ancient tribes learned in three ways. First, by observing other people and animals then from the teachings of their elders, and finally, by playing games that prepared them for life. Now, most listeners are familiar with the observing practice. As humans, we instinctively learn in a social way, and that means we learn best when we observe the behaviors of those who have more experience than we do. In a tribe setting, a person would learn how to hunt by shadowing an experienced hunter. They would learn health remedies from observing the local tribal shaman. They would learn how to lead effectively by watching the chief. Now, this approach is pretty common in corporate training today. We shadow our coworkers as new employees. We learn specific skills by observing an employee who has a particular job function. And we learn objectively and subjectively by watching our peers and our leaders work. So the second way that people learned in a tribal setting was storytelling. Every tribe had storytellers who served the role of continuing the tribe's learning by telling stories of creation and histories of the tribe. Using stories, the tribal elders passed on traditions and wisdoms for later generations to learn from their experiences. These stories activated the brain, 
creating neural coupling, which allowed listeners to turn the stories into their own ideas and experience. Through modern research, we know that facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're part of a story, which is why more and more corporate training programs are weaving stories into their coursework. And finally, there was gamification. Now, this is a word that's become increasingly popular in recent years throughout corporate settings. And as as recently as today, I was speaking with a client about incorporating gamification techniques into their new customer onboarding efforts. But this approach to learning is actually ancient in its origins. Tribes used games to teach their children safety, strength, agility, and sportsmanship. And while these tribal games were certainly fun, they always had a learning objective. The consequences were also much greater than those faced in a typical corporate training session today. So here's the question. When we think of training our employees or teaching our customers, are we using all three methodologies from ancient tribes to their fullest potential? Now, the first one I want to talk about is observation. And we definitely see that lots of companies have people training with one of their peers. You often walk into a restaurant and you have the waiter introducing you to the new trainee who is shadowing them. Let's be clear, which usually means awkwardly lurking next to them, not making eye contact with anyone, and feeling like mostly an annoyance to the waiter who is being shadowed. Am I right or am I? Right? I mean, I think from the customer <laughs> point of view, it's like, oh boy, it's like it's like driving behind a student driver, right? Like, you're, right, you're right. Like, but kind of worse because a student driver you can pass the waiter at the restaurant. You're you're okay, good. I'm part of a learning experience now. Exactly. It, it's almost. I don't know if it's worse than being in a hospital and having somebody be like, oh, I'm the new trainee that will be taking your blood. I actually had that happen. <laughs> that will be one removing time. your liver. Seven <laughs> tries. Seven tries to take blood. Three on the left arm three on the right arm when the new trainee phlebotomist came back to the left arm for what would be the seventh stick. I was 17 at the time. I jokingly said, if you don't get it this time, do I get a turn? <laughs> at which point the supervising nurse said, I will take over now. <laughs> so Excellent. yeah, this observation is a great technique when applied properly. Yeah. And actually, one of the best ways that I've seen that is becoming more and more popular is what a lot of companies call reverse mentoring. And this is where you have you know, a young millennial right out of college training a C-level executive on something like social media or on kind of how millennials think or how to market to millennials, for example. So my suggestion is make sure that you're observing with multiple people at your company in multiple levels and in multiple areas of your company. And that's the best way to learn to the fullest. I love it. And I just realized in this moment that I need a reverse mentee to teach me about the Twitters. The second tribal technique was storytelling. And are your stories spreadable? What we mean by that is, are you creating the kind of stories in your brand that your employees want to tell and your customers want to tell? You know, a few years ago, I worked with an accounting firm that goes by the acronym LTBD. What I love about their firm is they came up with a tagline, accountants you'd want to have a beer with. And I think, folks, that says it all. Because I don't think, respectfully, of most accountants is the kind of folks that you'd be excited to go have a beer with. And I don't even drink. Time out a second. Time out a second. In our recent holiday episode, we actually featured an accountant friend of ours. 
this is true. This and, is and true. We, but he's a good guy to have a beer with. I can tell you. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. But what's interesting about LTBD is they actually have a wall in their lobby of sabbatical items. What I mean by that, as part of your tenure as an employee, after you've been with the company, I think it's for three years, you get a two-week company-paid vacation. And the rule is you have to use that money to leave town. You have to go on a trip. You can't do a staycation. And while there, they give you a budget to buy an artifact, a memento from your trip that you bring back to the office. You tell a story about this memento and about your trip, and then they place it on the wall so that when new customers walk in, they ask about the item, all the employees can tell the story about which employee who had been there for a long time took a sabbatical what that meant to them and how it related to their overall experience. Now, what does it have to do with accounting? Absolutely nothing. What does it have to do with culture and spreading stories? Absolutely everything. So I've decided that I don't I no longer want to have a beer with these accountants. I want to go work for them. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. And it's a huge recruiting tool. It's amazing, amazing group. So the third area is gamification. And studies show that applying gamification to learning programs boosts engagement by 60%. And I've seen this also in the workplace, particularly when it comes to things like employee advocacy programs, where you're trying to get employees to help share positive news articles and and uh, press releases and stuff with you know in their social circles one of the best ways to do that is to put some gamification on to have points to award prizes for the top sharers even things like ways uh, you know one of the things i love about ways is they still give you 6 points to report something on the road and yet there's no longer even a scoreboard you can't even like you don't know how many total <laughs> points you have there's no way to but like that. a pavlovian dog you're still and reporting my right? 6 points Get those damn points. it Get those yeah, points. And so it absolutely is incentivizing. And in fact, when when Waze did have a scoreboard, there was no prize. It just it, all it was was seeing your name up in lights, you know, with more points than your neighbor, and that was enough. So I think that's a it's a huge part of learning that uh, that is very valuable in the workplace. I think what's interesting about this article is these are three tried and tested techniques for teaching tried and tested techniques for learning. And while I think most businesses maybe incorporate some of them or maybe even all of them, I don't think the typical business really consciously makes a decision to focus on these three methodologies for learning. To learn more about the wisdom of ancient tribes and see how companies have implemented this type of learning into their businesses, visit explore.citel.com slash experience this. That's explore.citel.com slash experience this just like our show. Don't worry if you don't remember the URL, just go over to experiencethisshow.com and we'll link to that landing page in the show notes as well. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. As those of you who visit experiencethisshow.com know, we launched a new website 
at the start of Season 2 in an effort to provide you even more information from the podcast. Not only does it include the typical show notes where we share links and highlights and even pictures sometimes from each episode, we also include full transcripts written out and available as a PDF download so that our content is more accessible to a wider audience because we know some people don't listen to podcasts. In addition, we have a functionality that lets you search episodes by segment type. So, for example, if you love our book reports, you can search for every episode that has featured that kind of content. Now, it's interesting. Designing a new website is really a double-edged sword. It's exciting, but it's also incredibly frustrating. And I know this because I used to help build websites for a living. Or if any of my former team is listening, let's be candid. I used to sell projects for building websites. And then I had people that were much smarter and more talented than me do all the designing and coding. But one of the things I learned in that process is that everybody has a nightmare story of the website they built that was just tragic, that was over budget, past the deadline. It was miserable. It's like the baggage you get when you talk to someone about their worst dating experience. It was an emotional engagement. And I always tried to, as part of the the process, kind of get them to share those stories so we knew what to avoid in our new relationship as we built them a new website. Dan, you used to spend a little bit of time on a big website, as I recall, didn't you? I did indeed. I was uh, the head of digital customer experience for Discover Card and managed their website, which only gets eh, roughly 50 million logins a month. So kind of small. But the thing that I remember the most is just that there were so many little things. And and now granted, a site of that size, I mean, it was thousands of pages. But oftentimes, the very little things cause the most problems. And so one of the things that I did that I thought was really, really illuminating is we looked at the survey data. So we had a survey on every page of the site that you could click a button and leave us feedback. And it asked a couple of questions, and then there was a space to fill in comments. And one of the questions was, how easy was your experience today? And so I asked for a report by page, and I wanted it sorted in reverse order of the easy question. In other words, I wanted the worst scores on the how easy was your experience today. Nice. right? Because I wanted to know what are the pages that are causing people the most problems. And it turns out the top page that was causing the most problems that had the single worst rating out of thousands of pages was this page where we were offering a reward, speaking of gamification, to people for referring friends to Discover Card. So you got a, you know, you got like a $50. The irony is thick in this moment. Exactly. So you got a $50 credit, you know, cash back to refer a friend. Well, This got a terrible score. So we looked into the comments on that page and very clearly, like, I don't know, just absolutely popped up. There was one type of web browser, I don't remember what it was, where the submit button was not showing up. So people were filling out the form and they were like, well, what the heck do I do now? And it wasn't everybody. And so there weren't tons of complaints. And if there were tons of complaints, it would have risen to the top for a different reason. We would have seen it. But there was definitely a small audience using a certain browser that could not, that this, the button simply didn't show up. The minute we fixed that, the second we fixed that, that page went from being the least easy page on the site to having at least an average or above average score. And the problem went away immediately. And then, honestly, we proceeded to do that about 100 more times. And that's how we won the JD Power Award for best customer experience, including sweeping all six of the website categories. 
Woo! It's a rinse and repeat model, folks. Focus on the thing that isn't working and make it better. Well, our website at Experience this show.com gets slightly less than 50 million logins per month. It was like 49 last last I think 49 and a half, 49 and a half million. Yeah. Folks, come over to the website, check out the show notes. We put them up there every week. We'd love to have you check it out. But when we were getting ready to build out this new website, we searched high and low for a great partner. Actually, we didn't have to search high and low for a great partner because there was one that I had featured in my book, Never Lose a Customer Again. What's interesting is their employees, their staff, I know the owner, Chris Yoko, very well, but his team actually are avid listeners to the show. And when I went to them and said, hey, we're thinking about you know, building a new website, we need to do this. They were super excited because they're regular fans. And it's always great to be able to work with a vendor and they're anything but a vendor folks, but to, to hire someone to help you with a technical aspect of your business with somebody who really appreciates who you are and what you do and what you're trying to accomplish. And this is where the experience of working with them got awesome. First of all, they came to the table with a clean design. They said, look, you guys are all about the experience. We want to make the experience of going to this website positive. We want the experience to be great on both mobile and on desktop. We want it to be clean. We want to focus on the content and what's important now. When people come to the site, they want to see the most recent episode, but they want to be able to look back if you know now they're on the site and they think about other episodes or things they might have wanted to check out. They want to be able to find that easily. Secondly, they wanted to limit the bells and whistles to make it useful to visitors. Now, let's be candid. Usually when you are dealing with a web development firm, they're trying to sell you on every possible plug-in and add-in because they're trying to win awards. They're trying to create cool, awesome technical sites. They're trying to keep their coders and designers excited and engaged. The folks at Yokoco, the company we worked with, were not like that at all in the best possible way. They said, let's focus what on what matters the most. Let's make sure we have clear text, clear post, and an easy-to-navigate site. And again, I would bring back the Discover Card example. One of the, the key pages was that you know account center homepage when you enter your name and password, the one that you land on. And we found the same thing, which was the wrong thing to do is provide people with a ton of information about everything related to their account because most people are coming to the website with a specific purpose in mind. And what we figured out was that that purpose often involved looking at a recent transaction. It used to be that you had to click on a couple of different links to get to your transactions. We actually brought the feed right to the homepage. And it was one of the most popular aspects of the page. And one of the cool things that we looked at, Joey, was that usually when you look at time on a page and you, you want people to spend a lot of time and then you want them to advance to another page. Otherwise, you know, if they drop off, basically called abandonment and abandon rate is usually bad. Well, one of the things that we found was when we put the transactions on the homepage, we saw a ton of people log in and then log out. So our abandonment rate went up really high. But what we realized was that was great because we had given the customer yes. exactly what they wanted. They came in, they got it, they left. And who wants to spend time totally. with their credit card website? They want it to be fast. No one. Measure the metrics that matter, folks. Pay attention to what you're actually tracking and make sure that it's in alignment with your overall goals. You know, this is very much in alignment with the way Yokoko approached helping us do the implementation. So designing the website, figuring out what it's going to be, that's kind of the fun, exciting part. 
Then you get to the not so fun part of taking all of the show notes from season one, 40 episodes, folks, and transferring those from our old site to our new site. But what was great is they gave us a roadmap. They gave us clear updates. They trained our virtual assistant on how to do it and help with us. They trained me, which, folks, if you can train me on this stuff, it's impressive. <laughs> and they held our hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moral of the story is they did some great handholding and made sure that everything was smooth. They saw us through launch. But here's where they stood out the most. Most website companies, once you launch, the story's over. You're now in charge of your website. You're now in charge of your content. You've been trained on how to do the updates in WordPress. You're ready to go. They also do our hosting. And I had something happen the very first month we were hosting with them that I'd never have happened with a hosting company before. And I've been hosting websites since, geez, as my father would say, since Hector was a pup for the old people listening. But long story short, I've been hosting for a long, long time. They send a report every month that says what their uptime has been the plugins that they have added, the virus attacks that they have protected from. I mean, this is a laundry list of activity. Now, to be clear, I'm paying about the same amount for hosting that we were with some of the more well-known branded hosting companies before. But now I know what I'm actually paying for. We're getting more, or at least we're being told what's happening. So the moral of the story here is building a website can be an emotional experience. For many of your customers, the type of business they do with you, whether it's a product or a service, has a high emotional engagement level for them. What are you doing to make that experience smooth? What are you making to doing to make sure that journey is enjoyable and continues after they accomplish the goal they had? If you need a new website and want to have a great experience, contact the folks at yokoco.com. That's Y-O-K-O-C-O, yokoco.com. And tell them that Dan and Joey at Experience This sent you. And I promise you'll have a remarkable experience. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. A few weeks ago, the world of customer experience books was rocked when three leading authorities in the space each published a book all within the same week. What are the chances? Now, to be clear, all three of these books are fantastic in their own right. And while each one is worthy of a standalone individual book report on the experience this show, Dan and I couldn't resist the chance to capitalize on the serendipity of all three of these books arriving from Amazon at the same time. Thus, we combined them into a single, comprehensive, massive, Transformer Combiner Force-esque all-encompassing book report. Any one of these books can revolutionize your thinking and offers dozens of insights and ideas for enhancing your customer experience. But taken together, they offer a trifecta of knowledge that you don't want to miss. Have I built it up enough? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling excited? Are you oh, ready man, to hear about I'm, these I'm books? Pumped. Woo! Can Damn. I start with book number one? Start with book number one. Tell All us right, book number one, ladies and gentlemen. Our good friend... And friend of the podcast, Jay Bear, partnered with his colleague, Daniel Lemon, to produce Talk Triggers, the complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth. 
Now, the first thing that grabs you about this book is the fact that there are two alpacas on the cover. I, that's right. I said did you, did alpacas. Did you say alpacas? Yeah, you did, did say alpacas. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure. I, I, I think it's the first business book ever with alpacas, but I'm not sure. <laughs> And one a of dubious the title called one of the alpaca, Guinness. Yeah, one of the alpacas is looking like it is whispering into the other's ear. And that's kind of the whole concept of a talk trigger. So marketers have long been pursuing that elusive word of mouth marketing, but many are going about it the wrong way, searching in vain for that next viral video. Don't do that, people. Instead, oh says Bear and Lemon, companies need to give customers something to talk about in the experience they provide. The book provides an actionable framework for how to do this, explaining the four criteria that every talk trigger must possess to be effective and the five types of talk triggers that companies can deploy. It then reviews more than 30 case studies of companies which have successfully integrated talk triggers into their business. Companies like the Cheesecake Factory with its gigantic menu that that everybody talks about all the time. It's like a dictionary menu, folks. If you've been to Cheesecake Factory, you know what we're talking about. Exactly. And Joey, if you've ever stayed at the Double Tree Hotel, what do you remember uh, about it? The cookies. The it's always the cookies. Chocolate chip cookies, right? Warm These are chocolate chip cookies. Triggers. They have them at the front desk. It's amazing. You get it before you even get to your room. Exactly. It's glorious. So one of the key takeaways is that talk triggers don't have to be expensive. They just have to be memorable and differentiated from the competition. As far as I know, Doubletree is still the only hotel that offers warm chocolate chip cookies. So Certainly the only one we're talking about. That is true. Waka, waka, waka. So my favorite passage from the book was a case study about five guys. And it actually wasn't about their burgers, but about their French fries. What does five guys do to stand out from other fast food restaurants? It gives every customer extra fries. So here's the passage. Order a small serving of fries at Five Guys, and you receive enough fries to be credibly described as large. A medium order often solicits a, wow, that's a lot of fries, comment. And a large serving of fries? Absurd, unless you're feeding a high school hockey team or a mining crew. Comments about the amount of fries routinely show up on Twitter. Now, Joey, you can probably guess why I chose that particular <laughs> passage. Could it be the reference to Twitter no, actually, or the reference to mining crews? <laughs> well, neither of the above, although I love the mining crew reference. Uh, no, I love French fries, first of all. But also, I talk about this all the time in my keynote speeches, is that companies have to find ways to control the conversation on social media and particularly to make the brand lovers louder than the haters because there are always going to be haters. So two examples of the book of tweets mentioning Five Guys. The first one was, and these are tweets, the best part about Five Guys is that they grab this tiny cup of fries and then dump in the fries four times the amount that can fit in the cup. And the second tweet was, the amount of extra fries you always find at the bottom of the bag in Five Guys is what keeps me alive. So when you talk about you know positive word of mouth, this does not cost a lot for Five Guys to put added fries in. And by the way, Joy, one thing I thought was really interesting I didn't know from the book is even if you stay in, even if you eat in at Five Guys, they put your order in a bag so that they can dump more fries. On which I thought was really smart because you don't want it on like the tray. That'd be kind of disgusting. So uh, glorious. Anyway, great example of a talk trigger. Really fun book. Lots of examples. Check out Talk Triggers by Jay Bear and Daniel Lemon. And of course, we will include a link in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, for book number two, if you're going to title a book iconic, you have big shoes to fill. Now, to be candid with most authors, if I saw that was the title of the book, I'd be skeptical at best. 
But that's not the case with my good friend, Scott McCain's new book. Now, if you've been in the customer experience or customer service space for any amount of time, you almost certainly have come across some of Scott's other notable books with memorable titles like The Seven Tenants of Taxi Terry, All Business is Show Business, What Customers Really Want, Iconic is all about how organizations and leaders attain, sustain, and regain the ultimate level of distinction. It sounds like it has gravitas just from the title and subtitle alone. This is a case study rich book featuring stories that go well beyond the usual suspects and examples to include iconic folks and talk about iconic case studies like the millionaire chimney sweep, the valet brewer, and the St. Elmo Steakhouse in Indianapolis. Wait, These I, are just I'm a, few. a little concerned if my chimney sweep is a millionaire. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, the millionaire chimney, the whole story about the millionaire chimney sweep is fantastic. And this is the great thing. As folks that work in customer experience, we've heard the familiar stories, right? The Amazons, the Apples, the Zappos. And I, I don't say that with criticism. I tell those stories too. But what I love about Scott and his work, he's been at this so long that he seeks out the examples you haven't heard of to prove the point, which I absolutely love. His book outlines five factors of an iconic brand performance, and each of the factors, I'll list them out and give you a quick little description. First, play offense. You need to exercise your power of choice and then keep improving your game regardless of what the competition is doing. Second, you need to get the promise and performance right. Customers need to hear a compelling promise of what they can expect matched by a consistent performance of doing just that. Number three, you need to stop selling because the best iconic companies know that by enhancing the experience, that is the ultimate way to increase sales. Fourth, you need to go negative. Now, I know that's not really a message that you would regularly hear on the experience this show, but the fact of the matter is Scott outlines a principle of focusing on your specific weaknesses and eliminating your customer's points of infuriation. This leads us back to the example Dan gave us earlier when he talked about the Discover website and how they found the page that was worst performing, the page that was least convenient, and focused on making that page better and the dramatic impact it had overall on the site. And finally, number five, reciprocal respect. Clearly, professionals attract other professionals. And if you treat your employees with respect, they will respect you and your customers and vice versa. It becomes a big respect triangle, everybody taking care of each other. There's also a bonus piece about how to regain iconic status if you once had it and somehow lost it, but you'll have to read the book to hear more about that. My favorite passage comes from the end of the book. Craig Hughes, president of St. Elmo Steakhouse says, there are 14 other steakhouses operating just in downtown Indianapolis. We focus inside our four walls, as there will always be competitors. Each new opening reminds us that we have to delight our guests each and every time. We cannot ride the coattails of our past into the future. If you're interested in building on your customer experience success to date and want to take things beyond distinction to iconic status, pick up a copy of Scott McCain's playbook to do just that. You can find Iconic Everywhere books are sold. And of course, we'll link to it in the show notes so you can find it quickly at experiencethisshow.com. Dan, what about book number three for our Last marathon? Last but book? not least, it's book number three by another good friend of the podcast, customer service expert Shep Hyken, just released his seventh 
book called The Convenience Revolution, How to Deliver a Customer Service Experience that Disrupts the Competition and Creates Fierce Loyalty. I love that adjective, fierce. In this book, uh, Hyken argues that convenience is perhaps the key way to differentiate your company from your competitors. In a simple and quick read, which, by the way, is meant to be convenient for busy people, Hyken outlines six principles of convenience that serve as a guide to creating better customer experience. Now, we're not going to give away the whole farm here, but we're going to give a couple of these away, and you should definitely get the book to read more. The first is reducing friction which means making doing business with you as easy as possible by removing barriers that stand in the customer's way. As Hyken says, friction is a hassle in your customer's world. Anything that removes friction, regardless of the source, is likely to improve your relationship with the customer. The second is self-service, which is letting your customers control the transaction or interaction with you. Now, many companies have moved here, and, and we've profiled a number of them on the show. And Hyken says that this concept is, quote, transforming the way customers buy and use products and services. A couple of other models that you may have noticed are getting more popular. One is subscription or establishing an automated scheduled delivery of your products and services. Clearly, this is a model that is becoming very uh, popular from everything from razor blades to fruits and vegetables. I mean, I now get a ton of things on subscription. I'm sure you do as well, Joey. There's also delivery, which is bringing the product to the customer rather than having them go get the product. So think of things like Uber Eats and Grubhub. And also access, which Hyken says is raising the bar for customers when it comes to availability, communication, or location. So think about a 7-Eleven as a convenience store being sort of the typical example, but also companies being available 24-7 on social media, for example. So my favorite passage on this book was not particularly surprising. It talks about the Rulin Group, a company that helps identify high-end gifts for star clients. One of their clients... I know, Joe, you're going to roll your eyes, even though I can't see you, is the Chicago Cubs. No, no, that's a good one. I like this. I know all about this story. I'm buddies with John Rulin. I actually wrote about this story in you my did, book. You did indeed. I and here is uh, Shep's excerpt. So if you're the Chicago Cubs, what do you give your top corporate sponsors and the people who buy the elite corporate box seats and luxury suites at Wrigley Field? If you said, send everyone a Cubs calendar, go back to the back of the class. If you said, send everybody a fancy fruit basket go even further back. It's a thought that counts, and neither of those options show much thought, uniqueness, or care. Here's what the ruling group came up with for each of the Cubs' top-tier business allies. A top-notch Bluetooth speaker set into a casing built using wood salvaged from the Cubs' original locker room constructed in 1914. I would say that beats a fruit basket any day. And I love this example only because, not only because of the uniqueness of the group gift and because I'm a Cubs fan, but I happen to know that Shep Hyken is a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. So good on him for including that oh, one. That's so lovely. check out The Convenience Revolution by Shep Hyken. And as with all the books, we will include a link in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed this book report featuring three amazing new books by customer experience experts. We've talked, you've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times, that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one. 
How can you incorporate the ancient wisdom of tribes when training your employees and customers? Do your educational efforts involve observation of best practices and best habits? Do you package your lessons into stories that can be easily and enthusiastically told by your employees and customers alike? Do you use the power of games to teach people important lessons in a playful yet memorable way? Just because we don't live in tribes anymore doesn't mean we can't use their wisdom to enhance our abilities and teachings. Takeaway number two. Are you examining the painful aspects of your customer journey and making them more pleasurable? How are you focusing on the most important desires your customers have? Are you truly focusing on what matters the most? Are you holding your customers' hands every step of the way? Are you showing them what you're doing behind the scenes to keep showcasing your value? Takeaway number three. Are your talk triggers iconic and convenient? <laughs> Joey, I see what you did there, you buddy. There? You, you took all three books. Segment, it was yeah. a big segment. We try, we're trying to fit this all in. Yeah, what can gotcha. I say? All right. Are your talk triggers iconic and convenient? Have you specifically created talk triggers for your business? In the immortal words of country music legend Bonnie Raitt, give them something to talk about and make that part of the experience you provide. From the Cheesecake Factory and its gigantic menu to Doubletree Hotel's warm chocolate chip cookies, what aspects of your business are getting your customers talking? Are your efforts iconic? Are you focusing on your own game, keying in on the most frustrating parts of your customer experience and respecting your employees and customers alike? Finally, what are you doing to make the experience more convenient? Are you reducing friction by removing barriers that stand in your customer's way? Are you offering self-serve options? Does your technology help or hinder the overall interactions people have with your brand? And those are the three takeaways for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Experience This. Before we sign off, if you could take a few moments and jump over to iTunes and leave us a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Give them something to talk about. Make your review iconic. It's quite convenient. Just go over and think of yourself as a secret Santa of podcast reviews. Let's give them something to talk about. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. <laughs>